Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I consider it a privilege and a pleasure to be able to speak to you today. Some of the most important, interesting, and exciting events of the Bible have happened on mountains. A great deal of the sacred history of God's people happened on or around the mountains of Palestine and surrounding areas. Some of the more prominent mountains of the Bible are Sinai, Moriah, Carmel, Zion, Ararat, Hermon, and Nebo. When we look at the great men of God who have walked these mountains and view some of the events that took place on them, we can truly find a host of spiritual applications that are beneficial for us today. Because you see, in a figurative sense, we all have mountains in our lives that we must climb. The quality of our lives on earth, as well as our eternal destinies, depend upon how we face these mountains. Do we use them to reach a higher spiritual level, or do we stumble upon them and fail to continue our upward climb? In this episode, let's spend some time talking about the mountains of the Bible and what they can mean for us. Let us consider first Mount Sinai. This mountain was sometimes referred to as the mountain of Jehovah, for it was here that God gave his law for his people to Moses. It was to this mountain that God led his people Israel after their exodus from Egypt. Here he gave them the law of Moses, essentially the constitution of their new nation and so much more. In Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 6, we witness Moses' first encounter with this mountain as he was tending the sheep of his father-in-law. The passage says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses would once again climb this mountain sometime later to receive God's law. Each time Moses climbed this mountain, he came face to face with the presence of God. Each time he was confronted by the will of God. In a symbolic sense, we could say that the Israelites themselves had to climb this same mountain a number of times. First, when Moses came to them in Egypt and said, The I Am has sent me. 
Here they were face to face with the will of God. Later, as they gathered around the base of Mount Sinai, they heard with their own ears the voice of God, giving them the Ten Commandments, once again face to face with the will of God. Still later, as Moses came down from the mountain bearing the tablets of stone written with the finger of God, they were once again face to face with the will of God. Symbolically, we all face this mountain just as they did every time we hear the word of God or read from it. At times such as those, we are face to face with the will of God. How do we face the mountain of Jehovah? Do we climb it by recognizing, believing, and accepting the will of God in obedience? Or do we falter on its foothills, never reaching the heights that are possible for one who submits to that sublime will? This is a mountain that all people, sooner or later, must confront. Let's turn our attention now to Mount Moriah. Perhaps the best known event that took place on this mountain is found in Genesis 22. Let's read the first two verses of that chapter. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. It was to this mountain where in saving faith Abraham went to offer up his beloved son Isaac. It was an act that epitomized faithful and humble obedience to the will of God. For this reason, we can call this a mountain of faith and a mountain of obedience. This was truly great faith demonstrated by Abraham, and it is recorded in Scripture as an example for us. Look at how this act on this mountain is used by the Holy Spirit in James 2, 20-24. James wrote, But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. The faith of Abraham was demonstrated and made whole and complete, as is all true Bible faith, by his obedience. Every one of us has to climb this mountain as well. It is one thing to say, I believe, but it is another thing altogether to have faith. Faith is belief that moves one to obey. Do we not have to demonstrate our faith by our acts of obedience? Of course we do, every single day. We face Mount Moriah every day of our lives. Are we going to be obedient to the will of God? We need to climb that mountain without hesitation and not falter on the foothills of disobedience. Truly, as we continue our study, one of the most famous and interesting of all mountains of the Bible is Mount Carmel. Remarkable events in the lives of Elijah and Elisha took place there. This was the site of the thrilling contest between God and Elijah and King Ahab and the prophets of Baal. In 1 Kings 18, we'll look at verses 20 through 24 and get the situation set before us. There the Bible says, So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. 
Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen, and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on wood, and I will put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that is a good idea. This contest proved to the prophets of Baal that they were in fact false prophets, but it was a great trial for Elijah. It was a trial of his faith and his courage. Because he stood the test and displayed his faithfulness, he was able to salvage much of Israel from apostasy for a time. Elijah asked the people, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? What a soul-searching question that is. We too come to our Mount Carmel's every time a choice is demanded of us. What are we going to do? Time and again our faith will be tested and tried, sometimes in the very crucible of the fire of skepticism or persecution. And time and again it will take courage to stand with God. We can climb this mountain right along with Elijah. With courage we can stand on God's side against all things of this old world that threaten to usurp his glorious position. We can climb Mount Carmel even if it seems that we are climbing alone. I want to talk to you about Mount Ararat. This was the place where the ark came to rest after the cleansing flood. After 40 days and nights of rain, and then the time of the receding of the waters, the earth was cleansed of sin and righteousness who went through the flood were saved by the water. The ark grounded on this mountain. We would say that Mount Ararat represents the salvation of God. Noah and his family had been born by the water from the wicked and corrupt world that existed prior to the flood to the purified, cleansed world that existed after the waters had receded. It corresponds to what takes place today. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 19-21, through 21, we read a very important passage. Peter wrote, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we could say in a very real sense, Mount Ararat should represent to us the watery grave of baptism. Noah and his family, which at the time made up all the saved people, were saved by the cleansing water and came out on the other side of the flood on Ararat to a new life. Likewise, all who are saved today are saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as they render their obedience in baptism in water for the remission of their sins coming out on the other side to walk in newness of life. Figuratively speaking, all who wish to be saved today must climb this mountain. If we falter on the foothills and do not complete the climb, we will be lost. Let's consider just a few more mountains of the Bible. I'd like for us to give consideration to Mount Nebo. 
This mountain is east of the Jordan River near Jericho. At the ripe old age of 120, Moses, still in good health, climbed this mountain to essentially meet with God. What transpired there is found in Deuteronomy 32, 49, and 50. It tells us, Go up to this mountain of the Arabim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the sons of Israel for possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Looking now at Deuteronomy 34, we'll read verses 1 through 5 and find the incredibly heart-moving account. Now Moses went up from the plains of Mount Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zorar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. This is a mountain that we all have to climb. All of us someday will join Moses in death, and that time may very well be sooner than any of us think. We recognize that the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and is as much as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. James adds in James chapter 4 verses 13 and 14, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It is a good thing to ask ourselves, am I ready to climb Mount Nebo? Am I prepared to die? Finally, let's discuss Mount Hermon. This mountain was on the northeast border of Palestine near Lebanon towering 9,000 feet above sea level. Many scholars think that this was the Mount of Transfiguration. We can read of that marvelous event in Matthew 17, 1-5. There we find six days later Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Perhaps we can look at this mountain as representing the glorified or changed state of the saved after judgment. Remember what John wrote in 1 John 3, 2? Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, the saved will be changed. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. The redeemed will have no trouble climbing this mountain when the time comes. How about you? Bible mountains, each one with a particular spiritual application and lesson for us. Let us seek to emulate the great men who walked upon these mountains and so be ready to climb with them as the time comes. I hope you got something good out of today's episode. Thanks for listening.